Happy Sunday, Way family. Today's scripture comes from Leviticus 23, 10 through 14, and Proverbs 3, 9 through 10. Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, when you come into the land that I give you and reap its harvest, you shall bring the sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest. And he shall wave the sheaf before the Lord, so that you may be accepted. On the day after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. And on the day when you wave the sheaf, you shall offer a male lamb, a year old, without blemish, as a burnt offering to the Lord. And the grain offering with it shall be two-tenths of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil, a food offering to the Lord with a pleasing aroma. And the drink offering with it shall be of wine, a fourth of a hin. And you shall eat neither bread nor grain, parched or fresh, until this same day, until you have brought the offering of your God. It is a statute forever throughout your generations in all your dwellings. Proverbs 3, 9 through 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. This is the word of the Lord. All right, we're in the week three of three of our series, Abounding Generosity, where we're uh, looking at what first fruits from that Old Testament idea um, have to do with our time, our treasure, and our talent. And this week, we're looking at um, first fruits, how it intersects with our talent. I I read a book um, by Alexander Solzhenitsyn, who's great Russian author, um, and it's a tiny book, and it's called uh, One Day in the Life of Ivan D- D- Denisovich. I got it right. Um, and, and what it is, it's about this guy who has been sent to the gulag um, in a work camp, and in his normal trade, um, before he went to this prison of sorts, um, he was uh, a bricklayer, a uh, construction worker. And so he goes to the work camp, and um, the conditions are horrible. It's cold and there's very little food and um, th- they're required to build these buildings and of course he's a bricklayer so he's gonna be involved and yet the materials that they give him are really bad materials. They're subpar. They're just trying to, you know, they're, they're trying to make a Mercedes from um, uh, Pinto parts. I don't know, like, that's an old car. <laughs> I don't know. That's all I had at the moment, by the way. Um, I didn't hear that written down. Um, and, and so it's just one day, and so the arc of the day is that it's cold and it's hard, and then the, the sun comes on and he's trying to lay bricks, but, but something happens in the middle of this day where, um, and he's mad at the people that sent him to prison, he's mad at the prison guards, it's unjust, but there's, there's this window where he hits his stride and he begins to lay bricks, and it's just beautiful. And he doesn't care that he's making it for the state or for the prison. He, he loses that self-consciousness of where he is, and he just begins to enjoy his work. And he knows that it's beautiful, and it's set straight, and, and the mud is just perfect. And he gets, it's the zone, he's in that zone. And he's just working, and it's, and it's beautiful for him. And he experiences something. And Solzhenitsyn calls it this generosity of soul. 
engrossed in beautiful work and all of the circumstances don't matter. And that's such a great picture of something that is happening when we talk about first fruits with our talents and our abilities is that um, God is asking us to give those beautiful parts of work for the flourishing of someone around us and we lose consciousness of the why because it's so beautiful. So this is what I wanna look. There's four points, but these are gonna go really, really quickly. Um, I wanna look at how we have a working God. I wanna look at how um, because we're made in the image of God, we are loudspeakers. Our whole bodies and life and work are loudspeakers for the image of God. And then I wanna talk about how first fruits and vocation intersect. I think that's important, what we've been uh, thematically looking at. And then I wanna look at our greatest work. Now, I'd encourage you to sort of lock in because you'll find this thread of work and I'm gonna lay a groundwork, or bricks as it were, um, so it begins to make sense more and more later on. So let's look and see how our God is a working God. They used to have this uh, at my high school. I, don't, I haven't heard that they do this before, but they would give you a battery of, they weren't really like those official personality tests, but they were sort of tests related to like career and vocation, and at the end how you would, sort out, then they would set you up with the um, career counselor and they'd say, well, well, from these results, what do you think you'd want to do in life? I don't know, I haven't heard that they still do that, but they did that at my high school. And, um, and being a contrarian is, I, I would try to fool the test, like say opposite answers, you know, to the, which was very counterproductive. Um, that's why I ended up being a minister. Um, so... <laughs> But you began to see all of these attributes and all of these different things. And this is what we see in the attributes of God himself. We see that in every endeavor, in every piece of work that we can do, we can find that attribute in how God is. And so there are I mean, thousands of these. And I purposely made this slide so where you couldn't read all the fine print, but I just put all of these things that God is. Like he is an accountant. He counts and he tracks. He knows the numbers of things, right? He is a biologist. That's self-evident, I think. He's a jurist. He's a physicist. He's a performer. The psalm says he displays his wonders. He's a performer of sorts. He repairs and he assembles and he knows logistics at scale. He's into power and energy and he appraises things. He's a teacher. He's an archivist. He's into real estate. He knows the boundaries of things. He knows markets. The Proverbs are just full of business savvy and acumen. Um, he's, he, he pro how many claims does he process in a day? Right? He's a compliance manager. He's into IT, information technology. He's into licensing. What is licensing? It's conferring temporary authority to someone, right? He's into psychiatry, and he knows sales and solar, and he's a dietitian. And, and check this out. The Bible refers to us most often as sheep. So we know he is into special education. That's not even a joke, but it's funny, right? Like he's a master of this. Now, 
listen to this. I'm not going to read through all of these possible job titles, but if you can do it, think it, make it, work at it, you can find how God does it better than you. So in Genesis 1, God says this incredible phrase. He says this, let us make man in our own image after our likeness. Okay? So there's two ideas I want you to pull, and I'm trunking a lot of stuff, but it's good. It's just a summary here. Big picture. Have you ever thought, and these are the companion ideas, have you ever thought that God is the ultimate pro at whatever you do work at? Two. Have you ever thought that what you are doing, when you are doing your work, you are doing God things? That's a beautiful thought. When you are at your workplace, at your work, you are doing God things. And I'm not talking about proselytizing your coworker or starting a Bible study at lunch, or like I'm not talking about that, I'm talking about doing your work. You are doing God things. So that's the first point, we have a working God who has put his image on us. So the second point is really important. We are a loudspeaker of that image that he has pressed on us. So when we work, we are imaging him, right? We are reflecting him, we are mimicking him, we are portraying him, and when we see him work, like all of those occupations, when we see him work, you know what you should do is say, I do those things too. Yeah, me too. Me too. I do that at my job. So listen to this. Every attribute surrounding work is the image of God. And if you want to impress your friends, the Latin term, you can be, it's imago Dei. And they're like, oh, okay. God's person is expressed in every human vocational pursuit. So it means this, please hear this, spirituality is not just some radically moral, upright, pious person doing church things through their church programs. I'm telling you, the last 50 years, we have bought that. Modern Americans have loved that. They're like, you are most spiritual when you do churchy spiritual things. And it's a lie. It's a lie. A a spirituality is a working person because you are doing God things and you are blasting his image. It's such a huge corrective. So we could say this, okay, what is the purpose of my work? The purpose of my work is this, that his awesomeness be revealed or made manifest What's another word for that? I put it subtly up there. It's really big. Can, does it show up? Oh, yeah, sort of. Go back, Mark. Glory. Can you see glory? The purpose of work is to shout out the glory of God because you're just reflecting all the God things. When you work, you're doing God things, and so you're saying, that's how he is when I do this thing. That's how he is when I do this thing. This is when I do it great and beautifully and wonderfully. That's how he is, but better, right? Right? We manifest his glory. So, our image puts his image on loud blast when we work. Whatever you're into, whenever you're putting his image in loud blast. That's why, incidentally, that's why 
all of us are dissatisfied ultimately if you show up at your work for just the paycheck. Ultimately, it, I mean, it'll take a few years because you're like, I love to get paid, I love to get paid, I love to get paid, I, uh, I'm bored now and I want something more. That's why the purpose is the glory of God. And we know that. All right. When God created everything, this is another cool thought, and it was good. This is what's really interesting, is he makes all of these raw materials, and then what does he do? After the seventh day, he hands it over to humanity, and essentially he says this, the creative story is not done yet, and now I'm passing it off to you. He stopped making the creative, he stopped making all the raw, raw materials, he said, you are gonna finish the story in your work. You're gonna finish the story. So, to tidy this up, this is really important, especially for American Christians. Spirituality is not a separate sphere from your work, and that's what we've done. We're like, I'm gonna go to church to be spiritual. Right, we've done that. <clears throat> Wrong, right? Work is not a separate sphere from faith. No, because you're integrated, you're a whole person. We don't compartmentalize spirituality and work. Your work is spirituality, and spirituality is work. Okay. Now let's take that idea and let's make it jive with first fruits. So um, I have some um, implications and applications. I, I actually think it's your responsibility to come up with the millions of applications, so I'm an impl implication guy. But I'll give you some sample applications. We discovered that first fruits is a seasonal instance, right? So it would be lambing time, the time when lambs were born, or it would be harvest time. Well, that comes once a year. So this is what I want you to do, is look at your calendar in your life. In When you're looking at seasonal first fruits of your talents, you're saying, what am I doing on an annual basis here? I'm not talking about weekly rhythms. I'm talking about an annual basis, and you'll see why. Um, where do you take your abilities, and out of gratitude, almost like Ivan Denisovich. Gratitude that the work is beautiful. And hope, because first fruits means a promise to come. So where are you taking your talents and abilities and saying, I'm gonna give it in some way, in a rare instance, annual basis, where out of joy, it's gonna be a promise to come for somebody else. So, let me give you a bunch of examples and just find handholds in your own life. Um, there's a guy I know that he goes to Nepal every single year, and what he does is he collects eyeglasses from all those old eyeglasses that you have in your drawers or whatever. He collects them from all of his friends, and he takes them to Nepal with a team, and now they do vision tests just electronically, and then they can measure the glasses electronically, and they're given glasses. Now, there are some Nepalese that have some very old-looking glasses, but it's unbelievable when they can see for the first time. And he does it on an annual basis. He's saying, oh, I know how to do this. I am going to do that for the flourishing of the world. He doesn't do it every week. But it's a beautiful use of his talents to giving to the flourishing of the world. Um, 
Uh, I have another friend, goes to Honduras. Um, sort of same thing, but uh, you're allowed to do, you would never be able to come to the US and do this, but you're allowed to do like cataract surgeries in Honduras, right? Um, and again, with sight, being able to do these surgeries for people who have come and walked 12 hours to these tents, it's incredible, and that's an annual thing. Um, the, the church I grew up in I, I, is EV Free Fullerton, they don't, I, don't think, I think it's called Fullerton Free now. Big church, so only I think a church can, that's a little bigger with resources can do this. But um, the, the high school or the school district there in Fullerton, um, it was outside of their budget and they wanted like their schools painted. We're talking inside classrooms, external. That's a high ticket. That's a, that's a lot of money, but they didn't have the budget for it. So they said, let's do this. Let's get our crew and let's bring our resources and bring benefit to a community on us. And that's a powerful statement to an entire city. It says, we, that didn't even touch our budget. We didn't raise taxes for that. Who did that? Oh, the group of believers. And they couldn't do that every year. That was a rare, but it was first fruits. It was first fruits. Um, there's, let me give you another example. Um, there's a, a lawyer I know, and uh, I, I, it's funny, as I had asked her one time, I said, um, so, so you're one of those high-dollar lawyers, you charge $500 an hour, and she goes, and she looked at me, eyebrows went up, and she goes, no. She goes, I charge $750 an hour. <laughs> and, and, and what she does, though, but look, this is first fruit, she does this annually, right? Um, but she jumps in and provides advocacy and legal work for immigrants, Right? That's saying your first fruits of your talents. I know this thing. I know how to navigate a system. I'm going to give that first fruits back to the community. Really, really beautiful. Um, I, I, I've, got, I've got some more here, but, but you can find, look at it in its rare instance and say, I'm going to do this to the joy of God with my abilities, whatever my abilities are, and I'm going to find the place. And sometimes you need a friend to help you find that place. Because sometimes people are like, I can't identify that in me. So sometimes you need a friend to say, okay, where is it? All right. That's how it intersects. Now I want to talk about, this is the last thing, is we, what is our greatest work? And this will give you the power to be able to do something like first fruits. Otherwise this, otherwise all I've had is a sermon that says, you know what, you should really give more out of your abilities. You should do this. Be better at this. You, need, you all need to give more, okay? You should, you should, you should. Be nice with your stuff, people, Okay? No, that, that's, that, that, that'll kill your heart. Guilt works for a little bit. Short-term actually works. I, I, can, I can guilt people short-term, but it will never, ever, ever change someone's heart long-term. That's why I want to steer away from all of those, you should, you should, it's really important that you, come on, everybody. No, it's because it's not going to have lasting change. So what gives you the power to have lasting change in your work with your abilities? Where do you get the power? I mentioned this in the last couple of weeks is, we can never practice first fruits until we enjoy first fruits. We can never practice it until we, enjoy, we just receive it first. That's where the power is. We mentioned this too last week, um, 1 Corinthians 15. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. I get this from Philippians 2, but God in essence is saying this. I'm gonna set aside all the occupations, all the things I'm really amazing at, all of those vocations, I'm gonna set them aside 
And I am going to do the thing that is most needed and required. Because if I don't do this, all of their work, because of sin, all of their work just leads to death. Their best work leads to death. So God is essentially saying, Philippians 2, I must become nothing in their place to make their work matter all over again. I must leave all of my other vocations and I'm going to enter into one vocation. And it's the only vocation where he's the only one who can occupy it. It's the occupation and role and vocation of Savior. Now, check this idea. It's a really cool idea. At creation... After he's created everything, including humanity, he was not a savior. It was the one role he did not press into humanity. It's the one role that is not, we're not made in his image that way. He did it after everything was created. He says, I have to create a role of savior after the fall. How incredible that. And because of that, it's a role that you and I can never, never occupy unless he presses it into, an, into us by his own life. That's why we say in Christianity, it is only through Jesus Christ and his spirit occupying you that you can ever bring renewal to the world. Because if you don't have the spirit in you, you cannot be in that role of renewer, redeemer, deliverer, and savior. Only he does it. Only he does it. All other applicants for this role are denied. Only he stands there. So, why is that good? It means this, is through faith in his work. Your work matters again. And it has the possibility of joining him in the renewal of the world. Um, it means this. It means we don't have to be the best at everything in our work. It means I can explore his calling over my life and I can fail in the open. Why? Because he fills that role. He's the first fruits of work. And you're not. And neither am I. And when you accept that and you muse on it and you revisit it and you soak in that, you know that your work matters without being the linchpin. Okay? And when you give away your work and your talents and your abilities as a first fruit, you're not doing it for love. You're doing it because you're convinced that you already are. Let's pray into that. Our Father and our God, our generous God. Would you work in us just so that we see these talents and abilities that you've given us and out of gratitude for your first fruits, for your kindness, would you have us move our work in the direction of manifesting you.
We've worked too long just for ourselves. We've worked too long just for paychecks. We've worked too long for people to look at our position and have grudging respect. We've worked too long. Bring us into work that fills our soul through joining you in the renewal of the world. And may you accept it as worship. In Jesus' name, amen.